trying to get you through the end of the work week right here on this, the show all about the South. I'm John Rawl, and we have come to the end of the work week, back to a five-day work week this week, y'all. Had a little bit of a break the prior week with the 4th of July, but no, not going to be another national holiday, at least I don't think they're going to put one in front of us until September 2nd, 3rd, 4th, whenever Labor Day is. But you know that federal government, they're into making holidays these days, so uh, you never can tell. It ought to be a national holiday when we get together and talk about the South, because that's what we do here on the show that's all about the South. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with the show all about the Southern States, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri. North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, West Virginia. Those are the places where if you go around and you say, y'all, people generally don't look at you like, where the heck are you from? (laughs) And that's why here in this part of the world, we are kind of our own country club, and we're proud of that. And here at the Y'all Show, we're the 19th hole of the Southern Country Club. Speaking of golf and speaking of holes in golf, The Open Championship underway in the country of England right now. And our friend Jason Nall is going to be on with us. He'll be here in hour number three as he's going to break down what happened on Thursday with the opening round of the Open Championship. And we're going to find out about Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson had a little bit of a temper tantrum again. And we'll discuss this former SMU golfer, what's up with him. We'll let you know if any Americans were right there at the leaderboard after the first round was in the books. Louis Oosthuizen of South Africa had the one-shot lead over a couple of Americans. We'll tell you all that you need to know on the 2021 edition of the Open Championship from Sandwich, England. And all that's coming up in Hour 3 of today's program. And that's not the only sports that we've got covered for you here today. We also have our latest spotlight of college teams. We're in the middle of a 44-city tour across all of college football in the South. And today, we're going to go to the fringe of the South and spotlight one of our most historic colleges located in the 16 southern states. This is a college that has produced leaders for centuries in this country. It is a college that has produced great athletes, Heisman Trophy winners in the last couple of decades. It is a school that they have support literally worldwide. And today on the Y'all Show, it is an institution that we're proud to showcase here because on our 44-city tour around the south of our great colleges, there's a lot of good choices and a lot of good conferences, but there is only one school within the 16 southern state footprint that is officially a United States Service Academy. And in Annapolis, Maryland, that's where you'll find the Navy Midshipmen. And on today's Y'all Show, it will be all about the middies. We'll let you know about some of the great forecasts for this year. We'll hear from the head coach, of Navy, Ken Niamatololo. He'll be talking about his offensive line that will be suiting up there for the middies and the AAC. 
We'll discuss the schedule. Hour three, we'll keep the Navy talk going as we'll discuss the tradition, the rich tradition of the United States Naval Academy. We'll discuss the history, some of the famous Navy alumni, and the traditions that you'll find if you make it to Navy Marine Corps Stadium for a football game in Annapolis, Maryland. It's the Navy Midshipman, and it's Annapolis, Maryland, our stop on today's 44-city tour across the southeast as we get you marching, speaking of the Navy, marching our fleet toward the start of the college football season on Labor Day weekend. And today it's a tribute to the United States Naval Academy. Go Navy. Beat Army. (laughs) We're not going to be talking about Army or Air Force here because neither one of those locations of our military institutions that are federal, at least, are within the confines of the South. Now, we know that Navy, as well as Army, as well as Air Force, all have players from all over the South, and their Corps of Cadets are both filled with tons of Army cadets and Air Force cadets that are from the South. And we, we, we are certainly proud of all of y'all. But we're going with Navy. We're all about the Navy. For one reason, this has been a pretty good football team under Ken Niamatololo, and we'll discuss that as we talk about the Navy midshipmen. If you are a Navy veteran, if you're a USNA alum, please pay close attention. Now hear this. Now hear this. You better listen to today's Y'all Show and tell all your Navy friends that the Y'all Show has gone Navy on today's Y'all Show. So we have all that coming. Plus, we also have in Hour 3 a Southern Sports Update, some news from the NFL with the Carolina Panthers. But we also have audio from the brand-new coach of the Texas Longhorns. Steve Sarkeesian was at the mic on Thursday at the Big 12 Media Days in Arlington, Texas. And we'll hear from the former USC Trojan coach and several-year assistant coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And was he coaching somewhere else? Was he? I I get lost. I don't think he was an NFL coach, was he? I I can't remember. But right now, you could say he's a pro coach of sort because he's got a very short leash on the 40 acres as he's now Texas's head coach. Steve Sarkeesian will get his thoughts about coaching the Longhorns when we get to our Southern Sports Update in hour number three. All that coming at you. Plus, we have got information coming on new movies hitting theaters this weekend. Craig Faulkner will be dropping by hour number two with his fish and forecast for the weekend. We also have a Southern accent this hour on Southern Sports. And we're going to rewind back to Wednesday. It was on Wednesday of the Y'all Show that former Chattanooga Times free press writer Ann Brawley stopped by to tell us all about her trip to Ducktown and Copper Hill, Tennessee, and McKaysville, Georgia. And it is in McKaysville in North Georgia that we're going to rewind back to our conversation from Wednesday with Ann Brawley and get her to talk about two incredible restaurants there just outside of McKaysville or maybe technically in the city limits. And these are restaurants that you would not expect to find in the North Georgia mountains. One has a Cuban feel. One has a New York deli feel. And she's going to be on in just a few minutes to tell you all about it and her stop to the Copper Basin of Ducktown and Copper Hill in Tennessee and McKaysville, Georgia. Don't miss out on all that fun. And it's coming up soon. So make sure you stay tuned to the following segment. Let's get into the headlines of today's Y'all Show, if you don't mind. 
And first off, headline coming from the United States military, as military base in Alabama now says it would require proof of a COVID vaccine if service members choose to not wear a mask. The major general of this installation, Major General David Francis, announcing the guidance in a video posted to Facebook. And this is at Fort Rucker. This is the army base that you find there in Alabama that is very much into, I think that's Fort Rucker that trains the helicopter pilots. I think I'm right on that. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Fort Rucker, and then there's the also the old post in Anniston, Alabama. And I, I might be getting them confused here. I was not stationed at either one of them when I was serving in my own army <laughs> of sort. But yeah, Fort Rucker, I think that's the one in South Alabama. Let me pull it up here. It's down around Enterprise and Boaz, that area of South Alabama. Ozark, uh, what is that? Uh, Ozark, come on, where are you? Of course, I'm very well aware of in the Columbus, Georgia area, that's Fort Benning. But uh, regardless, Fort Rucker and David Francis, the major general there, who is the commanding general, announced this new guidance about Fort Rucker saying, if you're not going to be wearing a mask, you better be vaccinated. As Fort Rucker updating its guidance in the face in face of the rising threat of the Delta variant of COVID-19, this variant has quickly grown to become the dominant strain of COVID-19 in the country. And General Francis saying, due to the rising rates in the counties around us and some on Fort Rucker, we're now implementing GO number 12, as the general went on to say, the big difference is going to be that if you are not wearing a mask, the leadership will be able to ask you, ask soldiers, to prove that they've been vaccinated by showing their vaccination card. Show us your papers, please. And if you're in the military, <laughs> you can't say, hey, stick it, buddy. I'm not telling you or showing you anything. No, they got to follow the chain of command, and that's what they're asking there at Fort Rucker in Alabama. And look for more military installations around the country to probably come up with similar rules and regulations. I can understand a little bit of why they're doing this. And certainly, as we said in the Army, it's uh, don't tell, don't ask. If you don't tell them, they're not going to ask you. Well, they are going to ask you. I says, I guess it's don't, don't tell, they will ask for your vaccination card. So... All you wearing the Army green, you better have that vaccination card if you're going to go maskless. Lindsey Graham has served in the armed service as he's been, I think, an Air Force reservist. I believe he was a JAG officer at one time, may still be in the reserves. The senator from South Carolina says he would, quote, go to war for Chick-fil-A after a college student petition. The South Carolina senator saying that he would go to war for the Atlanta-based company and its principals after some students at Notre Dame started a petition against bringing Chick-fil-A to the South Bend campus. What is Lindsey Graham doing talking about Chick-fil-A? The senator who always finds a camera and always finds a microphone, maybe I'm jealous. Hey, Lindsey, hey, Lindsay, come find me here. You're trying to cut my mic off, Lindsey. Hold on, hold on. i got to get my mic off the floor here because Lindsey Graham's trying to steal it. Uh, Lindsey Graham said he's disappointed that some of the students at Notre Dame started this petition and thinks it's a dangerous precedent to set. 
because they disagree with the values held by Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy and his existing family members in Georgia. Graham went on to say that he would go to war for all the principles that Chick-fil-A stands for. Well, that's mighty nice of you. Now, what's odd about Lindsey Graham standing up for Chick-fil-A is he is the senior senator from South Carolina. Do you know anything about the history of the junior senator in the halls of Congress from the state of South Carolina? That would be Tim Scott. Tim Scott was once a Chick-fil-A worker. I think he actually moved up in the chain of command and maybe even was an assistant manager or maybe had his own Chick-fil-A franchise there in the North Charleston, South Carolina area. But they love them some Chick-fil-A, those U.S. senators from the state of South Carolina, and Lindsey Graham's going to go to war in defense of Chick-fil-A. Hey, Lindsey, you you might want to go to war for some of your own constituents first. (laughs) Here's a survey coming out. 66% of Southern Republicans are in favor of seceding from the United States of America. Secession. Back alive in 2021. This poll released by Brightline Watch showed, again, 66% of Southern Republicans supported leaving the U.S. and forming a new country. Those sentiments were shared by 50% of independents. Only 20% of Democrats want to secede from the South and have a do-over. You, you know, we tried this back in 1861, Brightline Watch, and, well, it almost worked. If it weren't for a couple of 100,000 extra northern troops, and maybe God ended up not being on the south side, is why this secession didn't work. A lot of people, and I guess this gives me the opportunity to go off on a guy named Mark Levin, the great one. I am tired, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. I am tired of hearing about this guy bash the South and the South's history and the Confederacy. He loves to bash the South and the Confederacy and all that because he likes to go on and bash liberals. And he uses the South as a punching bag. And he always tries to bring in the fact that some of the dark characters of Southern history, both in the Civil War time and in the Civil Rights struggle, were Democrats. They all were Democrats. But those Democrats of that time period have zero to do with the Democrats today. And I'm not saying the Republicans of the day are the opposite and you just flip, flip, switch sides. There's no comparison. And I'm tired of this guy, Mark Levin, and other conservative talking heads always trying to throw the South under the bus for the Confederacy and for civil rights problems only because they want to really go after modern stuff going on in the Democratic Party, and they use the South as a punching bag. Am I the only one that sees that? I don't think so. I get calls all the time. Man, you wouldn't believe what this guy, the great one, just said about the South and its history. Well, Mark Levin is from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now, if he were from Philadelphia, Mississippi, I would have a little bit more sympathy for this knucklehead. But he tries to be so darn smart. When he gets out on national TV and national radio, he even has a Sunday night show on the Fox News channel. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He needs to have a little secession going on within his brain and get it straight. Because, I mean, I'm not defending Democrats of today at all, but I am going to defend them in the fact that the Democrats of the 1800s and the Democrats of the most of the 20th century, they ain't the same as these uh, leftists that are... <laughs> that are up there in Washington, D.C. and around the country now. Yeah. But how about this Brightline Watch 
party, uh, bright, watch party, Brightline Watch report, where again they claim that 60% of Southern Republicans are ready to pack up their bags and say, see you later. And, and frankly, what got me going off on this subject was the fact that I don't think Mark Levin has really ever been given a dose of Southern history from a Southerner's perspective. Mark, if you're listening, you can call me. Anybody can call me. 803. That's a good area code, by the way, 803-816-1170. And I'll be happy to listen to your side, but you got to listen to my side, too, and understand that let's go back to 1861. Whether the, they were right or wrong, it doesn't matter. They truly felt those Confederate characters of that time period, the Jefferson Davises and, and others, they truly felt that they were starting a whole new United States when they formed the Confederacy. They thought that they were doing 1776 all over again. So much so, hey, Mark Levin, go look at the Confederate seal, the official seal of the Confederacy. It's got George Washington right in the middle of it. They truly thought they were the same patriots carrying on the good cause of 1776 for a second time. I'm not saying they were right or wrong. I'm just telling you what they felt they were doing. Now, their slaves and people enslaved at that time probably would not have felt that way. But another thing, Mark Levin and everybody out there, I've been waiting to to tell you all this, and I'll try to do it again. I am not saying the South is innocent. We have got our scars. I don't mind talking about our scars here on this show because I love the South, and that includes some of the bad things that have happened in this this, uh, part of the world. And I didn't cause these things. Most of the stuff happened a long time before I was born, probably a long time before you were born. But I don't mind talking about it because, frankly, we need to talk about this stuff. We've got to understand who we are because it explains a lot of the reason why we are who we are. Okay, But I will tell you that as a Southerner and as a fan of Civil War history more, nobody can prove me wrong when I make this statement. I think there's as much of a chance and an equal chance of saying what I'm about to say. If the South had won the Civil War, it might have been better for the enslaved citizens. They could have ended up having a better life 50, 100, 150 years after the Civil War. We don't know. I say that because it's just a proposition that it could have been true. We don't know because that's not how history played out. The South lost, and the South was pummeled. The South was destroyed. And in many cases, and still today, the the uh, embers are still out there. And we still haven't recovered fully from the Civil War of 1861 to 1865. We've come a long way, but we still got our problems. And a lot of it can be traced back to Reconstruction and to Jim Crow and more. And who can truthfully come back at me when I say, how do you know you wouldn't have been better off as a a society, as a South, white or black, had the South won? I mean, we don't know. They could have instantly given emancipation as soon as the war ended. Nobody knows. It's just something to think about. Maybe if you want to do an alternate history type uh, book or something like that, instead of going crazy and talking about slavery lasting, maybe the South would have ended it and given the former slaves a lot more benefits and and money and and brought them into society a lot more than what happened we don't really know which is also part of the reason 2021 we're now 160 years past the civil wars start and we're still talking about it y'all we're still here today talking about 
secesh, in this case, secession. And, and let me give you a little bit, speaking of Civil War, I'm going to actually talk about Civil War in hour number two today. I'm going to play a song that's called The Battle of Bull Run because it was this week in 1861 that there was a battle in Manassas, Virginia, and it was the first major battle of the war between the states. It was a Confederate victory there just outside of Washington, D.C., and the great Johnny Horton had a song on his famous album from 1960 called The Battle of Bull Run. And in honor of Civil War history, and I love Johnny Horton music, Battle of New Orleans. Well, he also did the Battle of Bull Run. I'm going to be playing that in hour number two. How about that? Just maybe a little bit more history than you were counting on here on this Friday edition. But we love our history. Why? Because we love our South. And we're happy to talk about the South here. Let me tell you one more quick story, then we'll take a break. We'll have more news items going on throughout the show. In Georgia, firefighters have helped an embarrassed raccoon out of a jam. In Dalton in North Georgia, firefighters said a raccoon broke into a home and it could not find its way out. And there, officers with the city of Dalton Fire Department came to the rescue of the little raccoon. And in this town, about halfway between Atlanta and Chattanooga, the firefighters were able to break into the house, or the raccoon was able to break in looking for snacks, presumably, and ended up getting stuck in the house, and firefighters able to go in there and rescue this wild animal. Got a nice photo of it taken. How would you like to be a firefighter going into a house where you know there's a raccoon? I wonder how they found out about it. Maybe one of those uh, fancy cameras people have all over the place that alerted the homeowner that there was something going on in their home, and voila, Jerry Clower, where are you? Whoa! Shoot this thing! Wow, uh... Crazy Coons in North Georgia there in Dalton. Carpet capital of the country, by the way. I wonder if that raccoon there moonlights a little bit there and hangs out at the local carpet factory. We got more of y'all coming up. When we come back, Ann Brawley, she's just north of Dalton. She lives in the Chattanooga area, and she's going to be on. She was actually on with us earlier in the week. Ann Brawley, a former writer for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, she has traveled to the Tennessee towns of Ducktown and Copper Hill and the North Georgia town of McKaysville, and she's going to tell us all about some tasty treats found in McKaysville, Georgia. And she's going to do that right after that, a little I-C-Y-M-I from our Wednesday show, in case y'all missed it. y'all jeff foxworthy here now if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years you might be smoky bear only you can prevent wildfires that's why i'm filling in for smoky to switch things up because there's a lot more to say and i should know because my grandfather was a firefighter and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires, which means always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. 
So for the love of the outdoors, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, couch purring, bed leaping, and of course, companionship. Wonderful. And what breed would you say Nico is? I'd have to go with a tabbyish Persian kind of mix. Tremendous cat. I'd also like to point out her coat's wonderful mix of colors. Is it black, gray, gray, black, brown? Somewhere in between. Indeed. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute in her indifference to commands. A strong-willed feline. Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. She's been going out with him. She's been going out with me. Said she'd let us know by tonight. Which one it would be So I waited by the phone But she never called me up Had to know what was going on So I drove by her house And sure enough That ain't my truck in her drive And this ain't my day tonight Looks like she's in love and I'm That's a good Georgia boy singing for us, Red Akins, father of Thomas Red. We're the Y'all Show on Friday, and we're having great fun getting ready for a wonderful July weekend. I'm John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, and here on the Y'all Show, we mix up a little bit of a little bit of everything. We're kind of like a jambalaya pot of Southern goodness, and we have now on the Y'all Show a little tourism-related stuff to pass along to you. On Wednesday, we had a very special guest, a former writer for the Chattanooga Times Free Press in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Ann Brawley was our guest. And Ann recently traveled to the Tennessee Twin Cities of Ducktown and Copper Hill. And then she snuck across that state line over to McKaysville in Blue Ridge, Georgia, which is right beside Ducktown and Copper Hill. And she wrote a fantastic report of her travels, including all the great food found. And if you go to y'all.com, the South's homepage, you'll be able to read all about it as Ann's article is up. And also, we've got this awesome video that we've just posted, our video interview of Ann sitting by the pool talking to the Y'all Show. And all of this is at y'all.com at the very moment. So go check it out. Now, we're going to rewind back to our Wednesday conversation when Ann Brawley was on the Y'all Show with yours truly and have her discuss a little bit about some of the fun she found in McKaysville. And right there in McKaysville, you may not expect to find in North Georgia some of the great food that she's about to tell you about. There's a very, very yummy Cuban cafe. It's the Rum Lady Cuban Cafe. The Rum Cake Lady Cuban Cafe, rather. 
in McKaysville, Georgia. And in that same community, right around Blue Ridge as well as McKaysville, you have direct from, I guess they're from New York because the name of the place is Katz's New York Deli. They have a first-class New York Deli right in the North Georgia mountains. So Anne's going to come on now with a portion of her Wednesday interview where she told me all about all of the eateries you'll find in these three cities of East Tennessee and North Georgia. Right now, we're just going to focus in on the clip talking about the McKaysville eateries. Again, Katz's New York Deli and the Rum Cake Lady Cuban Cafe, both in McKaysville, Georgia. That woman, Elizabeth Correa, is from Havana. And I don't know how she found her way to Blue Ridge, Georgia, which is right nearby. But um, she began making her rum cakes and selling them at the local farmer's market. And they became so popular that she started a bakery there in Blue Ridge, which is just a couple of miles from McKaysville and Copper Mm -hmm. Hill. And um, so then she eventually brought in her uh, Cuban sandwiches and empanadas and all this other Cuban food and opened a restaurant in Blue Ridge and then recently opened this um, new cafe in McKaysville. And it's right on the corner, on a busy corner, and you just you cannot miss it. And yeah, there it well, is. Yeah, there it is. You, you, I don't think yeah. you can miss that. Yeah, it's hard to miss with its red and white decor. And um, inside, you can eat outside if, you, if you're still into, you know, social distancing and um, eating out, al fresco. And uh, then there's a small dining room inside, too. And it really, it just had remarkable food. I was, those little, um, ca- her little cakes are, the rum cakes are excellent. But so is her Cuban sandwich. So, and so this is in which town? That's in McKaysville. But you really can't tell the difference between McKaysville and Copper Hill. I mean, you step right in from one to the other, go back well, and forth. I'm looking yeah. at her sign here, and it's got a 423 area code. Well, maybe she's in Copper Hill. Yeah, I mean, she, she might be in Copper Hill. I thought she was in McKaysville, but I well, guess according, she, she's going to use whatever phone number gets the most business, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> she's right there on the line, so I get confused who's where. But that's yeah, I right. get, yeah, I well, guess that, her address is Copper Hill. That's one of many places you stop by. You also speaking of great sandwiches, as we're talking today with Ann Brawley, who has penned the article, Georgia, Tennessee Eats, a visit to Ducktown and Copper Hill in Tennessee and McKaysville, which mm-hmm. is in North Georgia. And you also, again, went on a sandwich. It looks like a sandwich voyage while you were in the area. And it looks like another place that you stopped by had a delicious sandwich option. And we're going to show that here in just a handful of seconds. Bear with me here as we're getting our... Man, you gave me so much good stuff, and I don't know how I'm going to be able to talk about it all. <laughs> well, let's go on to cats. Well, that's what I'm trying to pull up here. I got a picture of uh, what looks like a sandwich. You tell me about the sandwich, and I'll pull it up here momentarily. Okay. Well, Cat's Deli is owned by, um, oh, what's their name? Fran and Steve Katz. And um, they came down to this to that area, to the McKaysville area from Brooklyn and in doing so brought a lot of their favorite foods with them and opened up 
this wonderful jelly there in McKaysville. And this one is in McKaysville. There, there it is. is. Yeah. And they're open for breakfast and lunch. Um, they also have a coffee shop in there. And their Reuben sandwich is the house favorite. And they do it a little differently. Rather than making it with sauerkraut, they add a little southern touch to it. And they um, make a pickled red cabbage to serve with the corned beef. And then the, the rye bread is made by a local bakery. And so it's just, it's, it's absolutely excellent. And you, you can see it's really, really big. So you either have to come with a big appetite and a loose belt, or um, you need to bring someone, a partner there to share it with you because it's a, it's a good size sandwich. And once again, you can eat outside or you can eat inside. Hmm. Um, it's in an old house. And so the, um, the restaurant inside is broken up. You know, they haven't knocked down any walls. So you still have, you can kind of figure out where the living room, the bedrooms, the dining room, the kitchen and all that were in the original house. So it's, it's really a nice, a nice change of pace from the other eateries in town. And that was a contributor to y'all.com discussing her recent trip to the Twin Cities of Tennessee, Ducktown and Copper Hill, and right across the river there in North Georgia, McKaysville, Georgia. And those were some great eateries, eateries that writer Ann Brawley discovered on her trip to that area of the South. Well, that will be great for you to go back and check out that interview. It's an entirety. This was ICYMI, in case y'all missed it. Check it out at y'all.com. We'll be right back with more Talk About the South. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear, filling in for Smokey on his birthday, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Just look at the news. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. And I'm not just talking about obvious things like campfires or letting your totally sweet nephew, Francis, play with matches. I'm talking about dumping your used barbecue coals willy-nilly or parking your car on tall, dry grass. That can lead to... Oof! Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. But listen, being a South Carolinian, I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous, deciduous, or new car scented. So if you love the outdoors like me, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention, because fire safety is always in season. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. Oh, man. Coming to the end of the week, we've had a great time this week featuring five incredible Southern colleges all getting ready for the start of a 2021 season. We hope for each one of them ends up being a great, great season 
And we're going to wrap it up here today with the only Federal Service Academy located in the South Borders. It's the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. And we're going to take a few minutes to spotlight Ken Niamatololo's program and tell you all about the 2021 edition of Navy Football. The Navy Midshipmen and the United States Naval Academy again. Our spotlight, we're on a 44-city tour around the South, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 football season. Navy begins its season against the Marshall Thundering Herd as the Thundering Herd meander into Annapolis from their West Virginia home. That's a game set for Saturday, September 4th. And then Navy's right at it with one of their rivals. Air Force comes into Annapolis for a game on September 11th. Then the Middies start their AAC action against the Houston Cougars on the road in Houston on September 25th. The AAC home opener is against the UCF Knights October 2nd. Other games of note on their schedule, they'll be having a Thursday night game in the Bluff City as Navy and the Memphis Tigers get together on ESPN on October 14th. They'll be taking on the defending AAC champion Cincinnati Bearcats when that game is set for October 23rd there at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. They've got a game at Notre Dame, that rivalry they have where Navy almost always loses to Notre Dame. This year that is set for November 6th. And then they wrap up their season after the AAC championship game, which is scheduled for December 4th, and maybe Navy will be in that this year again where they won it just a few years ago, their final regular season game will be this year in East Rutherford against the Army Black Knights for the famous Navy-Army game, and we all love when that happens. Navy football, a proud program, a program that has won at least one national title. Y'all remember back in 1926 when the Middies won that. They've had great players through the years, Napoleon McCallum, Roger Staubach, and more. And Navy, under Paul Johnson, had so many great years, so much so that Johnson got hired to go be the Georgia Tech head football coach in 2007. And then his assistant, Ken Ken Niamatololo, took over and has guided this team along the way to some great, great seasons. Navy has gone on and won a whole bunch of bowl games in just the last six or seven years. They've won the Armed Forces Bowl, Poinsettia Bowl, the Military Bowl. They've won that twice in the last couple of years. They won the Liberty Bowl against Kansas State back in 2019. A very, very good football program. Of course, done the right way under Ken Niamatololo. It's the Navy Midshipmen, and they are today's spotlight as we're on a tour of the South's college football programs. Let's hear a little bit of the head coach of the Navy Midshipmen, Coach Niamatololo. He is 56 years old. Of course, he is a native of Hawaii. He played quarterback at the University of Hawaii. I guess June Jones might have been his quarterback when he was a QB for the Rainbows back in the day. But he's been at Navy a long time. He was a coach back in the 90s and then ended up being the athletic, uh, the the assistant head coach for several years before Paul Johnson took off to Georgia Tech. So other than two years, Ken Niamatololo has been in Annapolis. So he's been there about 24 years now in either an assistant role or head coach of the Navy midshipmen. 
Here is some audio of Coach Niamatololo talking, and when you run the kind of option offense that Navy runs, you better have a good offensive line, and that's exactly what Ken Niamatololo is talking about when he was recently asked about his 2021 edition of the Navy MIDI football program. Well, there's give and take when you go against the, you know, when you go against each other. They some days the offense will do better, some days the defense will do better, some days there's a stalemate. Um, but there are definitely a lot of spots that I feel, you know, bright spots that I felt good about. It's not that we've arrived, but um, I felt going good going into fall, uh, spring ball because watching them run, the size of our guys, you know, and the depth, but. I want to see how they practice. I want to see how they could function with the stress of Coach Newberry's, you know, high-pressure defense and movement and, and disguising and really, really excited uh, why he's coming out of spring ball. I just – I feel like, you know, right now, you know, Jake Casavella is our starting left tackle. I thought he had a really good spring. Josh Pena came out of nowhere. You know, he was a kid that was over 300 and lost some weight. You know, probably in the 280 range, kind of that way. But he moves much better now, and he's a physical kid. Pierce Banbury, I thought, had a really good spring. Uh, you know, Pierce is about 290, 295. Uh, lost some weight from last year, but I think the experience of last year has helped him. Had a much better spring. And that was Coach Ken Niamatololo of the Navy Midshipmen talking rather glowingly about some of his great players for the middies as Navy gets ready for the 2021 season. And again, they get going against Marshall that first weekend of the 2021 season. We're going to tell you more about Navy as an institution, the United States Naval Academy, and the great traditions found in Annapolis. We'll do that in hour number three. When we come back after the break, we have a Southern accent on sports. So you don't want to miss that. This is y'all. Anchors away. Go Navy. Beat Army. I knew I'd get that right. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. <laughs> I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure, if you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. We first opened about 10 years ago. We were, we were small, just a few of us. But it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kind of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans. But in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm, Reed Waste Management has never been busier. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency. 
and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Southern Accent. Here's a Southern Sports Update from Yaw.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. For the Southern Big Game Hunter, the summer months don't offer many options for landing a big one. However, Yaw.com Southern Outdoors analyst Craig Faulkner says to take advantage of the downtime by establishing a food plot. You can do prep work on your land. If you've got trees you need clearing out or you got some dirt work you want done, uh, good time to do it uh, right now. And then, of course, won't be planting like winter wheat and uh, clover and different things. You can put in wildlife plots until probably... Uh, middle of September. But uh, if you're just looking for something to do, that's a good time to do some work on prep work on your farm. I really like uh, clover. It's a blend of uh, different types of clover. And the reason I like it is it goes through the winter real good. Clover will be greening up early October, uh, you know, late September, for deer in particular. And those food plots will come in quite handy when deer season arrives in the hunting grounds of Dixie. Sports headlines and more at y'all.com. All right, y'all, that will wrap up our number one. And Craig Faulkner, if you liked hearing him right there, you're in luck. We've got more from Mr. Faulkner, not William, but Craig. Coming up in hour number two, we're going to hear his fishing forecast for the weekend. All that plus a look at new movies hitting theaters this weekend. That's ahead right here on the show that's all about the South. This is the Y'all Show. Hey y'all, Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter, and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires. Which means always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So, for the love of the outdoors, go to smokybear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, couch purring, bed leaping, and of course, companionship. Wonderful. And what breed would you say Nico is? I'd have to go with a tabbyish Persian kind of mix. Tremendous cat. I'd also like to point out her coat's wonderful mix of colors. Is it black, gray, gray, black, brown? Somewhere in between. Indeed. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute in her indifference to commands. A strong-willed feline. Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. 
Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Hey, it's the Y'all Show. We're getting y'all ready for the weekend. We've got lots of fun, and we're going to get it going now. The fun with David Lee Murphy. She couldn't keep from crying when she told me goodbye. But I knew, Lord, it was breaking her heart that she was breaking mine. So for the sake of her feelings and the sake of my pride, I told her not to worry about me. So I'm sitting here soaking up the neon lights, misery looking for some company. And tonight I'm looking for a party cry, slamming her back and laughing out loud with the smoke so thick, the blues came hanging around. With the jukebox jumping like it just don't care If they're dancing over here Or fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd It'll dawn on me tomorrow Wherever I wake up I'll look back and try to recall Just where the heck's my truck so take my keys and lock them up tight And let the good times flow And I worry about tomorrow when it comes to light The night's still young and I'm on the road tonight I'm looking for a party cry Slamming them back and laughing out loud With the smoke so thick the blues can't hang around with the jukebox jumping like it just don't care If they're dancing over here I'm fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd If you have one little ounce of fun in your bones Or your blood even Or you got a little southern in your DNA You got a little y'all in your draw. Y'all, the weekend's here. I want to hear from you. Sing along, if you will. I'm going to sing along. Here we go. Spoke so thick, the blues can't hang around. Yes, it is not too late to start singing. Like they just don't care if they're dancing over here. Or fighting over there, I'm making the rounds. Looking for a party crowd. We want y'all to have a fantastic weekend. The summer, I hate to tell you, it's quickly coming to an end. We're already kind of past halftime of the summer. So you better go out and have yourself a party crowd this weekend. And that's what we're doing. We're helping you get ready for fun and fun and more fun. 
I'm John Rawl. This is the Y'all Show. We appreciate you tuning us in on great radio stations across Dixie. And also for each one of you who listens to us each and every day via podcast. We're available all over the podcast world. We're in Apple Podcasts. We're on the iHeartRadio podcast app. We're also available on Stitcher. You can find us on the TuneIn app. We're just everywhere. And we want to be everywhere, but we know there's other places we got to do a better job. Someone was just having a big conversation with me on Wednesday about, oh, you're not on this particular app. And I went, doop, doop. Wasn't that uh, Bart Simpson that would do that kind of noise? I would be like, oh, no, we got to find out how to get on that one. And that's exactly what we're going to try to do. So if we're not on a app that you like, we'll do our best. Spotify, I know, was one of the other ones that we need to do a better job of finding how to get on that one. But we'll make a solemn promise to try to make getting the Y'all Show to you as easy and as painless as possible because there's just so much here at the Y'all Show we want to share and inform you about and entertain you with. And that is my job as the host. And if I'm not doing that, then you need to declare war on John Rawl. Uh, and I wouldn't blame you if you did. Speaking of war declaration, it was this year, 160 years ago, that the Confederate States and the United States were going at it. And it was this week in 1861, the first major battle of the war between the states happened. It was the Battle of Bull Run. Technically... The Battle of First Manassas, because there was, believe it, hard to believe, but true, a second Battle of Bull Run that happened on the same grounds at Manassas, Virginia. I think that was the following year. I guess they ran out of good battleground real estate back in the 1860s around Port uh, Prince William County in Virginia, where you'll find the city of Manassas, only 30 miles west of Washington, D.C., but it was this week in 1861 that forces in the United States Army under the direction of Winfield Scott and McDowell and General Patterson faced off against Pierre Gustave Toutant Beauregard, Stonewall Jackson, and Joseph E. Johnston in what would become the Battle of Bull Run, which started on July 21st, 1861. It was a major battle. In fact, it was this battle that Thomas Jonathan Jackson got the nickname Stonewall because a general from South Carolina, General B, was asked where the heck was Stonewall, or I'm sorry, where the heck was Thomas Jonathan Jackson? And he said, well, there stands Jackson like a stone wall. And there you had his nickname that would last him for two more years before he was killed by his own men at Chancellorsville during the Civil War. I won't be able to go into all the details of this great battle of the Civil War, but it was a great one, a great one in terms of size and in terms of the importance. Frankly, and I know it's easy to look back since the South lost the Civil War, but if you were around in 1861 and you didn't think the Confederacy was going to be a big of a deal at all, the South won this battle, and the Northern forces had to embarrassingly go running back to Washington, D.C. and embarrass the 
head of the country, Abraham Lincoln. And it really gave a lot of, I guess, belief to the Southern cause that I think we can win this war. I think what we're fighting for, if you're a Southerner, we might be able to truly form our own country, the Confederate States of America. About 35,000 troops on both sides of this battle. In the end, you had around 500 federal soldiers killed and around 400 Confederate soldiers killed in the first Bull Run battle. It was a convincing Confederate win. And it, it had the South lost this battle, it could have been very easy for the North to essentially have a runaway train that maybe they might not have been stopped until they got to Richmond. The Civil War could have ended months after it started, and it would have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. We can do the what-if all we want to, but unfortunately this was just the first of a whole bunch of bloody, bloody conflicts. And we all know, when I tell you here on this battle, this big battle of 1861, when you have less than a 1,000 total soldiers killed from both sides, that was nothing compared to the Gettysburgs, the Antietams, the Shilohs, which would happen in 1862. The war went out of control. But here in this early portion of the war between the states, the South, at least on this day at the first Battle of Bull Run, they were the winners. And the South won the second Battle of Bull Run, too. But we all know what happened ultimately. The North, with its incredible strength and numbers and supplies and leadership, they were able to stranglehold the Confederate States and ultimately in 1865 got the victory. Now, why are we talking about that today on the Y'all Show? Why are we discussing the first Battle of Bull Run? Well, first of all, because it happened 160 years ago this week. But we always try to tie in some music. And so I'm going to talk about Johnny Horton. Johnny Horton was an incredible singer. I know you probably are familiar with the song Battle of New Orleans. Johnny Horton, a guy born, oddly enough, in Los Angeles, California. But he went to high school in Gallatin, Texas. And then went on to Lon Morris Junior College, Jacksonville, College, uh, Jacksonville, Texas. He went there on a basketball scholarship. And then he briefly attended Baylor Johnny Horton had just an unusual style of his mixture of singing and his songwriting and the fact that he could bring in these story songs, these great story songs that if you're old enough to remember songs from that 1950s and 1960s time period, he had, when it's springtime in Alaska, it's 40 below, that big monster song, The Battle of New Orleans, that came out in 1959. He also had a really funny song called Sal's Got a Sugar Lip. That's pretty funny. Then North to Alaska was a huge song for him. Johnny Horton, a guy who has the Texas roots. He also was a big player on the Louisiana Hayride in Shreveport. Unfortunately, Johnny died in Milano, Texas in 1960. He actually predicted his own death. He said he would die in a car crash, and sure enough, he did. And what a sad, sad thing. He died at the age of 35 years old. The Singing Fisherman was the nickname of Johnny Horton. And again, if you don't know his music, please go do yourself a favor and check out some of his great songs of the late 50s and early 60s. And he had an album out called Johnny Horton Makes History. And on that, if you go there, you'll find 
the Battle of New Orleans, also a song called Comanche. You'll also have Sink the Bismarck, which was a great Johnny Horton song, and Johnny Reb, a fantastic Civil War-type song. Also on this 1960 album, Johnny Horton Makes History, is a track called The Battle of Bull Run. And here on today's Y'all Show, in honor of the 160th anniversary of that Confederate victory in Manassas, Virginia, we're going to play the Johnny Horton version of The Battle of Bull Run. For many of you, you may never have heard it, but you probably know this singer, you know this style, and you probably didn't realize Johnny Horton recorded another battle of song. In this case, instead of the Battle of New Orleans, it's the Battle of Bull Run. And we're going to play it for you now in honor of the 160th anniversary of the battle. The sun shone bright and clear that day. We all left Washington to lick the rebel boys in gray at the Battle of Bull Run. They came from Pennsylvania and some from Maryland to see the rebel boys get spanked by honest Abe's broad hand. We said we'll run them to Atlanta and to Galveston Bay, but they ran us back to Washington, Philadelphia, and Philadelphia. The ladies wore their brightest shawls, the gentlemen were gay. They came to see their Yankee boys with old Virginia. I held my mama's hand and skipped when a soldier said to me, Would you rather have Jeff Davis hat or the sword of Bobby Lee? We said we'll run on to Atlanta and to Galveston Bay. But they ran us back to Washington and Philadelphia and Philadelphia. And then the general dobbed his hat and said, let's rest the spell. And for the first time we all heard that awful rebel yell. Waters of Manassas Creek became a ruby red. And many a rib and Yankee boy lay in the willows dead. But they run us back to Washington and Philadelphia and Philadelphia. A fight locked in the chest of time, too horrible to tell. Virginia's cool green countryside became a lake of hell. Don't count your chicks before they're hatched or you work until it's done. Remember, yes, remember long, the Battle of Bull Run. We'll run them to Atlanta and to Galveston Bay. But they ran us back to Washington and Philadelphia and Philadelphia. All right, taking you back to 1960, the album Johnny Horton Makes History, and that was a cut from that, and it was a darn good one, don't you think? The Battle of Bull Run. This week in Southern history, we mark the 160th anniversary of the CSA victory there in Manassas, Virginia, and in 1960, some 100 years after the battle, Johnny Horton, the Texas-raised singer, recorded that song on that very good album 
an album that included other familiar songs that I'm sure y'all have grown up with, North to Alaska, Sink the Bismarck, and more. And that was a darn good song there about the Civil War. Also on that same album is the Johnny Horton song, Johnny Reb. You fought all the way, Johnny Reb. Johnny Horton, by the way, in case you didn't know this, Johnny Horton's wife, when he died, was Billie Jean Jones, and she was the widow of Hank Williams. And he and Billie Jean had two daughters. And also, Johnny adopted Billie Jean's daughter, Jerry Lynn. So how about that? A connection to the troubadour, Hank Williams. I guess we'll see the... I think he was the troubadour. I forgot. Uh, Luke the Drifter, that's what he was. Yeah, I knew it would come to me. I don't want to confuse him with uh, Ernest Tubb, the Texas troubadour, for goodness sakes. But yeah, how about that personal connection? Again, Johnny Horton was killed in an awful car wreck in Texas as he was traveling to the Skyline Club in Austin from Shreveport when he hit an oncoming truck on a bridge in Milam County, Texas, and died in 1960. But man, what a what a good collection of unbelievable songs, songs that only Johnny Horton could record. And he did that, geesh, 61 years ago. We'll be right back. See, we love doing this show. Don't you like listening to it? Yeah, I think so. We'll take fan mail, by the way, if you like what you hear. 803-816-1170 is how you can text us. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to switch over from talking about Civil War history to the history that Craig Faulkner's making out on the lakes and ponds and in the hunting grounds of Dixie. It's Craig Faulkner's Fishing Forecast, and it's coming up next on Talk with a Southern Accent. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, couch purring, bed leaping, and of course, companionship. Wonderful. And what breed would you say Nico is? I'd have to go with a tabbyish Persian kind of mix. Tremendous cat. I'd also like to point out her coat's wonderful mix of colors. Is it black, gray, gray, black, brown? Somewhere in between. Indeed. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute in her indifference to commands. A strong-willed feline. Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. If I can make a living from walking in the woods, you can bet I'd be sitting pretty good high on a hill, looking at a field downwind. If I can make a nickel off of turning in bass. Never worry about the price of gas I'll be wheeling and dealing And sitting there reeling them in 
hunting, fishing, loving every day. That's the prayer that a country boy prays. Thank God he made me this way. Hunting and fishing, loving every day. Hunting and fishing are on our mind right now as we wrap up another week of talking about everything Southern, and you can't help when it's this time of year of thinking about the outdoors and all the lovely creatures we got both walking on the on the ground and swimming in the waters of the Southland. I'm John Rawl. This is our hunting and fishing time with our fishing forecast, courtesy of Craig Faulkner, and he's back with us. Craig, how are you? Hopefully you've had a couple of good days of hunting and or fishing. Uh, I am fine, John. Hope you're having a good day. Uh, my Actually, my last fishing trip, I wore the collar, as in goose egg zero. Oh, okay. I didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that was on July 5th. Oh, really? It, it was hot. It was hot. And uh, I was fishing a new lake, and uh, it, the fish just weren't active that day. They just, some days they are just not on. I mean, there's nothing you can do. Uh, fish pretty hard. And, uh, got there late, for one thing. But uh, I have talked to people that have caught some fish recently and uh, fishing uh, North Mississippi uh, reservoirs and lakes uh, Sardis, Enid, Grenada, Arca Butler. And uh, what they do down there in the heat of the summer is they will uh, troll, as in, you know, idling the boat a half mile an hour, mm-hmm. have uh, plugs behind you, probably 30 yards behind the boat. Uh, and they will troll, and they catch some really nice crappie. I saw some real good pictures. Uh, it got me excited. But uh, but that's what they do in the dead of summer. It, it, it's a different uh, fishing pattern. Uh, one thing I wanted to discuss, uh, the same fellow I was talking to about the North Mississippi lakes, uh, we got into a discussion about uh, the evolution of graphs. Uh, I, I remember the first sonar graph I saw, it actually had a uh, a needle that flickered back and forth, and it would show you how deep the water was. That's the only thing it would show you. Uh, that... Uh, evolved into a graph that would actually show you a line on the bottom and you could see some rough humps in the water sometimes you could see a big group of fish but it just looked like a blob it was you had to really know what you were reading to uh, know what you were looking at nowadays about a year ago maybe a little bit more than a year ago they came out with a product or graph it's called live scope and I've actually not been out on the water and looked at it. I, I've read some about it, uh, talked to a fellow about it, or talked to a few people about it. And to hear it explained, it's like you can see your lure, you can see the fish, you can see the fish bite your lure mm. instantaneously. But so the clarity is come a long ways from a flashing little needle to actually seeing your bait and seeing the fish now one thing he did say that was mighty frustrating about it he said you can see the fish following your lure and not biting you can pull your lure up fish follows it up and pull, drop it down he follows it down but he won't bite the daggum thing he said he ought, he about quit using them because he it was making him mad while he's fishing yeah i'm thinking craig you're sitting here talking about how this stuff's advanced evidently so far with items like that and man it sounds like it also instead of making you 
angry. It seems like it would depress you in a big way. Oh, it it really did. <laughs> this this one particular guy, he 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 used a technique called spider fishing. That's when you have multiple poles out in front of you, uh, long poles, not casting rods, but uh, long poles. He might have six poles out there, and he's steadily moving anyway. So. The live scope doesn't really help him that much, but if you're a single pole fisherman, which is uh, what these tournament fishermen do, in particular with crappie, all you want to catch is the really big fish because uh, they have a limit of five to seven fish per day per uh, person. So if you're not catching uh, two and a half and three pound crappie, uh, you're wasting your time. I'm, I'm talking about these big money tournaments, mm-hmm. not the smaller ones. But uh, they really utilize it. He was he was telling me the last uh, really big uh, crappie tournament they had down there. It was one of the national events that the top. I think he said the top seven uh, uh, fishermen in that tournament that finishing the top seven were averaging around three pounds of crappie. That's a big big crappie, but. Um, it's also an expensive toy, this live scope. Uh, they start at about $3,000. So it's not for everybody. But if you like expensive toys and you're a fisherman, it's something I would definitely look into. All right, Craig Faulkner again. He's here with our fishing forecast, getting all y'all ready for the lakes and hunting grounds of the south. And maybe you're like Craig, you're on a little bit of a hiatus here in the dog days of summer. That's okay. You still need to go out and get ready for the slaughter that's forthcoming. <laughs> and and that's why he's out here experimenting with these video game type <laughs> deals. Uh, I've got something I've got to ask you about, but I want to make sure you get plenty of time for whatever you bring in here to talk about. All right, shoot. All right, shoot. Okay. <laughs> so I wasn't hunting and fishing the other day, but I was in the great outdoors. And I had my first experience that I'm aware of being attacked by horse flies and so i want to ask you not just horse flies what is craig faulkner's proven kind of advice on how to get ready to go outside whether it's to hunt or fish maybe out to do chores and not be absolutely attacked within seconds of things like horse flies because it hurts it does it still hurts it's horse flies and it's deer flies and it's season and i didn't realize those things could bite oh man they're blood suckers they're sucking blood out all right well what would craig faulkner do uh never roll your windows down well i was outside of my car i was (laughs) walking through a cemetery no i i've probably been bit four or five times in the last Four or five days, I'm sure I have. By horse flies? Horse flies and deer flies. I, I'm outside Let me see your wounds. I don't believe you. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. You know? <laughs> I can show them to you. No, that's all right. But the best thing you can do is, is wear long sleeves, long sleeve uh, shirt and pants, uh, always a cap, and spray everything down with bug dope. Spray what, it down heavy. What's bug dope? Off. Off? Okay. Uh, any, any kind of bug spray. Okay. You put re- mosquito or bug repellent. I just call it bug dope. Well, where I got bit, I wasn't. I knew I wasn't going to be outside the car, but for about two or three minutes. Oh, they'll nail you. They will do a beeline. I I was driving across our farm a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it sounded like it was raining because they were hitting my windows so hard. The bugs were sounding like raindrops. <laughs> are these things only out this time of year this is their heyday right now and it, actually out of my place 
they've kind of died back. I think they've got a real short lifespan. Hmm. But, uh, you know, speaking of bugs, this morning was the first day I've heard of the locusts really call them. Oh, really? First day I really noticed them. Hmm. I'll have to go out and listen. What do you know about mosquitoes since you do get out there at sunset sometimes, maybe and do a little fishing? What, what's your advice on mosquitoes? Same thing with the uh, horse fly and deer flies, long sleeve shirt, long pants, ball cap. Spray everything down, all your clothes. I, I really don't like having that bug spray on my skin, but I, I'll spray it heavy on my clothes. Well, I'm a weirdo. You tell me this is another kind of goofy thing for you to weigh in on. I don't mind bug spray for its purpose. I just don't like that feeling, especially when I'm not even maybe fishing or hunting or, or no longer hanging out on the beach, and I don't really want to go get a shower. Is there a kind of way to get freshened up when you're on the go at a at a lake or somewhere like that? Without having to get a shower? Do I have to go to the local pilot truck stop? Uh, uh, July 5th, I was hanging my feet in the water off the edge of the boat. <laughs> Why? Because it's hot. Oh, it's okay. Hot. Well, see, I don't mind the purpose of these sunscreen things like that, but uh, I don't like to get a shower more than once a day. And and so it, those things kind of, you know when you've put that stuff on you until you get your next shower. you you talking about the bug spray or the bug sunscreen? Bug spray, sunscreen, all of it. Well, like I said, with the uh, bug spray, I don't spray it on my body. I spray it on my clothes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I spray my clothes, my boots, my socks, my shirt, my cap, and anything else. So let me ask you this. It might be 100 degrees outside, but you're still going to wear a long sleeve shirt? If the mosquitoes are out and the deer flies, yes, sir. You're just... Except the fact that you're going to get hot. You, you you look at some of these older farmers across uh, the South and see what they're wearing out there when they're working. You don't see many short sleeve shirts on these old timers. You'll see a long sleeve shirt hmm. in All the right. heat of the summer with a t shirt on under it. Maybe some overalls too. Exactly. Or should I say overhauls? Overhauls. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you've helped me out. I feel more in touch with my body now that we've talked about sunscreen and and bug dope, as you called it. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to share, when, we were talking, when I said shoot a while ago, it made me think of the ammo crisis in the South. You can't just go out and buy shotgun shells or rifle shells anymore, or you can't just go out and buy a gun hmm. because they're not there. Uh, people have been hoarding uh, shotgun shells and rifle cartridges and uh pistol cartridges for over a year now yeah i i was in uh, a big uh regional chain sporting goods uh, i guess i can say the name of it. it's called academy sports oh yeah and uh, I, I go in there and shop for things from time to time i was in there recently well i, I was actually in there going back to last turkey season i couldn't buy any uh shotgun shells because i didn't have any not any shotgun shells. On a normal year, there would probably be uh, four or 500 boxes in there, and there was not a single box of shotgun shells in that whole mm-hmm. store. Their gun rack, I actually took a picture of their gun rack because they had about three or four oddball guns when normally they would be carrying anywhere from uh, 200 to 300 guns at any given time. They had two or three. So if you're planning on hunting, you know, this fall, you, you might start looking for uh, ammo right now and shop around some different stores. Sometimes these uh, 
these mom and pop gun shops might have more uh, ammunition than one of these big box stores. I, I talked to the uh, gunsmith at this Academy Sports, was asking him about shells and cartridges when they'd come in. And he said they come in twice a week. And uh, he said people are lining up outside the store for two and three hours before the store even opens and coming in and buying them out before anybody else would even be in the store yet. And apparently that's going on uh, throughout the South. Man. What else are they going to come up with with this crazy pandemic? Craig Faulkner, thank you very much for dropping by and for the great information that you're sharing with us as we get you all ready for the weekend. Craig Faulkner's fishing forecast right here on the Y'all Show. Have a great weekend, sir. You do the same, John. Thank all right, you. we'll do it. More of the Y'all Show Talk of the South is coming up after this break. I know you want to see a Hey y'all, Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter, and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires. Which means, always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are, you might be starting a wildfire. So for the love of the outdoors, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. into talking about everything Southern as we walk through the second hour on this end of the week fun we call the Y'all Show. To Florida we go as we continue on with some news headlines from across the Southeast. How about this story and maybe not so much of a good story coming out of Florida, especially a story that would be of uh, equality. Parents are angry after a boys baseball team at some kind of tournament in Florida. The baseball team for the fellas got trophies while at the same tournament, evidently, the girls' softball team that was participating 
Well, they got goodie bags. And now parents are not very happy as girls in Avedo, Florida, who had just won the Florida State Babe Ruth Softball Championship. I went to the Florida State Babe Ruth Softball Championship in Avedo, Florida, and all I got was this lousy gift bag. Put that on a T-shirt. According to a NBC affiliate, WESH, they looked into it, and according to one of the parents of the softball players, the Babe Ruth League did a disservice as some of the softball players in this goodie bag got a commemorative softball, a bag tag, and a couple of batting gloves. Meanwhile, at this same Babe Ruth tournament in Florida, not fair. Life's not fair sometimes, ladies, but yeah, they probably should have. I bet you they paid the same amount of money to participate in this tournament. I would be pretty mad, too, especially out there in the blazing sun of Florida in July. The championship boys at this Babe Ruth baseball event, Babe Ruth softball and baseball championship, the young men got a 14-inch trophy. They got three-and-a-half-foot trophies for their entire team to represent. The tournament was run at the state level, but not by Avito Babe Ruth, but Avito Babe Ruth stepping in. The president of Avito Babe Ruth in Florida saying, I don't think we should be sending the message in today's world that the girls don't deserve the same recognition as the boys for the same accomplishment. But they didn't get a trophy. I thought in today's world of sports, everybody got trophies. That's what I thought, but maybe I'm wrong. I remember in the day when I played baseball as a kid how big of a deal All-Stars was to make All-Stars in your local league. And nowadays, I don't think hardly any of these youth baseball leagues go on and have All-Star tournaments and stuff. It's travel ball, travel ball, travel ball. Travel ball for baseball, travel ball for softball. And maybe that's what happened in this case. Certainly more coming. You can check out WFLA.com for the latest if you want to maybe contribute to the girls. I bet you somebody out there, if they haven't already, is going to load up these girls from the Oviedo, Florida State Babe Ruth Softball Championship with a bunch of trophies. I remember as a, as a kid on one of my little baseball teams I played on growing up, we actually had a grandparent, I think it was, of one of our one of my teammates, she would do a cross-stitch little thing that you could hold in your hand, and it would be in recognition of you being like the player of the game. And you'd come back after your game a couple of days later, and she would have, you know, John, player of the game, 20, no, what, 2020. I did not play youth baseball in the 21st century, I have to confess. But what a nice gesture. And we didn't even have to pay for it as kids. And another great thing that I miss, how cool was it if you played youth sports when parents would pitch in and maybe one parent one week would be in charge of the snacks after the game and you never knew what you were going to get. And, boy, some of the parents went overboard loading you up with Cokes and Sprite and donuts or all the other little goodies (laughs) back before they had something called Powerade. And uh, what what a cool deal. I also, sadly, am old enough to remember after a couple of big wins as kids, we would all as a team, except for the adults, of course, 
the team would climb in the back of a pickup truck and somebody would drive us to the local McDonald's and the coach would maybe spend $30 buying hamburgers for all of his team who had just won a championship or a big game or something. I don't think you can do that these days, have an entire little boys baseball team jump in the back of a pickup truck and go about five miles to the uh, McDonald's. However, if you're in Memphis, you might be able to climb into some kind of vehicle real soon and go to a Whataburger. Yes, this beloved chain all over Texas and on the Florida Panhandle, Whataburger is moving into Memphis. They're opening five restaurants in the Memphis area and are hiring a thousand employees as there are going to be new locations of Whataburger in the Memphis area at Goodman and Getwell. That's going to open up next year. Goodman and Airways and South Haven. That's where that other one's located, too. they got two South Haven, Mississippi locations. They also are opening up on North Germantown Parkway at Stage Road, opening in Cordova, Germantown Parkway and Macon Road. And if you're in Dragon Country, this latest Whataburger opening in 2023, you have to wait a little while, as they're opening up at the corner of Poplar and Market Boulevard in Collierville, Tennessee, the Memphis suburb. But bringing in a 1,000 jobs to the Memphis area with locations in both DeSoto County, Mississippi, and Shelby County, Tennessee. How about Whataburger? Memphis bound. I know some of you out there are pretty excited about that. There has definitely been a Whataburger void. There's at least one in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm not aware of any of them in the Little Rock area. And I know they're not in eastern Arkansas. They're not in North Mississippi. They are not in North Alabama, I don't think. There are, there's not any in Nashville, come to think of it. So Memphis, you're on the move. Now, I know Nashville's got Jack in the Box, and they got White Castle. But in the war between Memphis and Nashville, advantage Memphis now with five area locations of Whataburger heading into North Mississippi and into Shelby County, Tennessee. That, my friends, is huge news if you live in the Mid-South. The arrival of Whataburger and those lovely little tiny French fries they got. And their burgers are good, too. And they got good ice cream and shakes and more. Uh, Man, I need to start getting paid for some of this stuff, y'all. Or at least they could send me a few extra French fries from time to time. (laughs) When the Y'all Show comes back, we got more good stuff coming up. We have such a good time telling y'all about things like the Civil War and Whataburger and fishing with Craig Faulkner. But we're not done yet. On the other side of this break, stay tuned. We've got a quick look at some of the brand new movies hitting the theaters this weekend. It's the Y'all Show with John Rawl, and we'll be right back. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear, filling in for Smokey on his birthday. Because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Just look at the news. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. 
And I'm not just talking about obvious things like campfires or letting your totally sweet nephew, Francis, play with matches. I'm talking about dumping your used barbecue coals willy-nilly or parking your car on tall, dry grass. That can lead to... Poof! Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. But listen, being a South Carolinian, I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous, deciduous, or new car scented. So if you love the outdoors like me, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention, because fire safety is always in season. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. They say you can't go home again I just had to come back one last time Ma'am, I know you don't know me from Adam But these handprints on the front steps are mine Going to be wrapping up now the Y'all Show for the second hour and if you are like me and you have thoroughly enjoyed the last two weeks of not having to watch LeBron James running up and down the basketball court because his L.A. Lakers got eliminated, unfortunately, LeBron James is going from the hard court to the big screen as this weekend it's the debut of Space Jam, A New Legacy. As that hits theaters, a rogue artificial intelligence kidnaps the son of famed basketball player LeBron James, who then has to work with Bugs Bunny to win a basketball game. LeBron James, Don Chadle, Cedric Joe, Chris Davis, and more. Malcolm D. Lee directs this. Space Jam, a new legacy out this weekend. Also out, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Logan Miller, Deborah Ann wolf in this one the sleepless unrest the real conjuring conjuring home is out this week and this is a horror mystery thriller movie with kendall welpton also brian murray is in this one the sleepless unrest hitting theaters this weekend and black widow continues to do incredible numbers at the box office if you haven't seen that one could be well worth your time to go Spend a couple hundred dollars at the movie theater near you this weekend. And frankly, you deserve to spend that kind of money. We've all gone through a rough, rough go of it. And movie theaters have certainly gone through it pretty tough. So let's support them. But if you want to take the easy road and maybe find a way to watch some of this stuff at home or snuggle up with honey and do whatever you need to do from a movie perspective, we're in favor of that too. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we want you to snuggle up with us. we got one more hour of talk about the South. We'll have a Southern sports update, news from the Carolina Panthers, as well as we'll hear from the brand-new coach of the Texas Longhorns, Steve Sarkeesian. He was part of the Big 12 Media Day on Thursday. We'll hear what he had to say in Arlington, plus more info on the Navy midshipmen. And Jason Nall will be dropping by with his talk about the Open Championship taking place over in England right now. It's golf's final major of the year. All that is coming up, hour number three of the Y'all Show. Back 
could walk around, I swear I'll leave. Won't take nothing but a memory from the house that built me. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Final hour as we get you ready for the weekend. I'm John Rawl. You got a smile on your face. If not, you should. If you don't, maybe roll that window down. Maybe the old school where you got to literally use your arm to kind of do a circular motion to get that window down. Let that wind blow through your hair. Turn that radio up. Turn it up loud because y'all show's got one more hour of discussion about Dixie. And I'm John Rawl. I am the general of all things Southern. That's why they call me General John Rawl CSA, Certified Southern American. And it's unbelievably awesome to have you here as we wrap up this week. And we're going to wrap it up in style with this third hour. We want you to be a part of it. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all. Our website is y'all.com. Did you know it's the South's homepage? It sure is. Go there for incredible stories. More being added. We'll have some added over the weekend. Don't forget, on Saturday morning, it's Tricks of the Trade with John Allen and Jimmy Duke. That'll be right there at y'all.com. You can watch it being made and learn all kind of home improvement tips courtesy of John and Jimmy. That'll be on the y'all.com homepage on Saturday. But meanwhile, we're making history here with this final hour. Coming up on the show, we will be spotlighting the traditions and the famous alumni of the United States Naval Academy. All y'all stand up and give these sailors a big old salute. And Marines as well. All the alumni of this prestigious university, this great service academy that we have within the borders of the South in Annapolis, Maryland, is where you'll find the United States Naval Academy. And it's the Navy Midshipmen is where we find ourselves today saluting the Naval Academy as our latest stop on our 44-city tour across the southeast, getting you ready for the start of college football Labor Day weekend. we got that coming up. Plus, we will be sailing away to the Open Championship taking place right now in Sandwich, England, Jason Knoll is our PGA and golf expert. He will be reporting from the shadows of the Open Championship, and he'll be telling us all about what happened on Thursday with the opening round. How did Americans and Southerners do at the Open Championship's first round? Second round underway as we speak. We'll try to get the latest from Jason Knoll. He's with College Tour X. He'll let us know all about that. All that coming up later this hour. It's Golf Talk And it's all about the Open Championship, courtesy 
of our golf insider, Jason Nall. That is ahead on the Y'all Show. And before we get out of here today, if time permits, we'll run through a few of the great festivals taking place across the Southeast here this weekend. We start off this hour talking a little sports news, and we go now to the world of the NFL. And I think the most overlooked position on any team, whether it's Ken Niamatololo's Navy midshipman team, which runs the option offense, of course, or it could be perhaps any NFL team because they got to protect those expensive quarterback. It's that offensive line. You've got to have a good offensive line or else you're not going to do too good. And the Carolina Panthers have decided to pony up. They have reached a four-year, $72 million extension for offensive tackle Taylor Matan as he's agreed to this mammoth extension, which includes $43 million guaranteed at signing. This was announced by the team as a multi-year extension, and it beat the deadline Thursday for franchise players to sign extensions. So how about Matt Rule's team and David Tepper, the owner, who is the richest owner in the National Football League, doing this for an offensive tackle? as Matan became the fourth of the ten players to receive the franchise tag this year to reach a long-term contract. Now that joins, along with this New Deal Cowboys QB Dak Prescott, the Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams also signed a hefty little deal in the offseason, as well as other players. Taylor Matan, the 26-year-old, became the starting right tackle in 2018 and has started every game for the Panthers over the past three seasons his new deal at an average of $18 million per season. It actually ties him now with the Eagles' Lane Johnson for second among NFL right tackles and sixth overall among all offensive tackles. Coach Rule in the 2020 season said that Taylor, an excellent player, he's an excellent professional, he's an even better person. When we talk about the brand, he's all of that. And now the Panthers are rewarding the six foot five, three hundred and twenty five pound offensive lineman who was picked in the second round of the twenty seventeen draft out of the Western Michigan Broncos, and he's hit payday. Taylor Matan, keep pounding for the Carolina Panthers. We're going to get back to some football talk in a second. First up, some Major League Baseball developments from Thursday, as the Red Sox and the Yankees were supposed to have the first game back from baseball's all-star break, these rivals getting together. In the end, it was postponed after several Bronx Bronx Bombers tested positive for COVID-19 in this game, which was scheduled for a home game for the Yankees, now postponed because of these COVID-19 tests. According to Buster Only of ESPN, Aaron Judge, as well as Gio Urshela, and Kyle Hagishoka, all in COVID-19 protocols. And also, they have had positive COVID-19 tests with pitchers, three of them, including Nestor Cortez Jr. was one of the three Yankee pitchers. So a, a little bit of a COVID outbreak. And I remember when this story broke on Thursday, Doug Gottlieb on Fox Sports Radio started to talk about, man, this is like deja vu. And are we going to have, with this Delta strain of the COVID-19 now all over the place, 
a little bit of what we saw in 2020 with massive cancellations and postponements and more. We, we've kind of gotten jealous or we've gotten lazy here and spoiled as well over the last couple of months when you saw big events like the All-Star Game here this week in Major League Baseball. You would never have guessed what we have gone through as a country and a world in the last 15, 16 months. We only hope that things get better for all these players and all of y'all as fast as possible. Also, this week, as we wrap up the week in sports and more, in Arlington, Texas, the Big 12 gathered for Big 12 football media days. This was held literally on the field of the Dallas Cowboys Stadium at AT AT&T Stadium. Technically, I believe it was what it's called. Steve Sarkeesian, he took the mic on Thursday. He is the Texas Longhorns' new coach. And we're going to go in and hear what the coach of the Horns had to say as he's now leading the troops there on the 40 acres. And I thought he did a pretty good job when he got a chance to be in front of all of the correspondents there in Arlington, Texas, talking about his new job. Of course, Sarkeesian, who had long been a Alabama Crimson Tide assistant for the last couple of years, and now... And, and I think he also went over and helped coach the Falcons for a while, but back into the college world and now back coaching a very powerful program, the Texas Longhorns. Here is Steve Sarkeesian, the new head horn. You know, I can't believe it's been six and a half months. I've been on the job here. Um, you know, there's been a lot that's gone on in a six and a half month time of hiring a new coaching staff, implementing uh, a strength and conditioning program. Uh, you know, implementing new schemes on offense, defense, and special teams, uh, recruiting. Uh, but probably the biggest thing I've been most impressed with for me uh, in our time here has been the buy-in from our players. I, I love the buy-in that we have. You know, we've got a roster that um, you know I, I think is one that is is more than than capable of being competitive at a high level. Um, you know, I've done a I've done a full rebuild before. This is my third time around of being a head coach and uh, to inherit uh, this team coming off a 7-3 and three season with three losses uh, by a combined 13 points uh, is something that, uh, you know, we're in a little better position than most uh, when you take over a new program. So um, there's been a lot of work put in. Uh, we still got a lot of work to do, uh, but I love where we're at and I love the mindset of our team at this point of, of developing a team-first mentality which I think our players have bought into and uh, are, are kind of making come to life now in the summer. So got work to do, obviously, here getting ready for training camp and then ultimately getting ourselves set up for our season opener September 4th against Louisiana. When you think of the University of Texas, you think of resources, you think of great recruiting and recruitability, um, all those things, big stadiums, great education. Um, the, the point I've been trying to make is focus on us and what we're doing and not necessarily what didn't work before, but what are we going to do to make it work this time. Uh, and the point of all of that is we can't sit back and relax and think because we've got a great stadium, because we've got great resources, because we've got the five-star, four-star players that we just sprinkle a little magical fairy dust and all of a sudden we're a really good football team. You know, winning is hard. And, and winning takes work, and winning takes perseverance, winning takes grit, winning takes great teamwork and great leaders and, and great teammates and an awesome culture. And those are all the things that we're working on um, 
to make sure that we put ourselves in position to be as successful as we can be, not even just for the short term, but for the long term. And uh, I think that that's where I say that I, I like the buy-in from our players uh, because ultimately they're buying into that mindset and that philosophy, and which is hard to do in this day and age because we are in a, a me and an I world of social media and internet and, and phones and things like that. So to get our team to buy into a team first mentality uh, because through team success comes individual accolades, I think our players really understand that and they're doing it together. I think they're enjoying the process of it all uh, and the direct result of it is, you know, we should have a pretty good football team come the fall. And that was the 47-year-old head coach of the Texas Longhorns speaking at this week's Big 12 Media Days. He referenced there that this is his third go-around as a head coach. Remember, he was the Washington head coach of the Huskies back in 2009 to 2013. Then he was the USC Trojans head coach for two years before he kind of got sent packing for off-the-field conduct, frankly. But now coaching the Texas Longhorns, the Texas Longhorns and the Raging Cajuns have that first game of the 2021 season. Good luck to Coach Sarkeesian Sark, as they call him, and the 40 Acres. When the Y'all Show returns, we'll be talking all about the Navy Midshipmen. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. I don't think I got a too, too much firing up here as we wrap up Another week getting you even closer to the start of the 2021 season. And it's not hard to get you fired up when we close out the week with a historic program, the Navy Midshipmen. This program out of the American Athletic Conference, led by Ken Niamatololo, has been very, very good over the last few years really picking back up to when Paul Johnson was leading this program 15 years ago. And then Ken took it over when Johnson headed down to Atlanta to be the head coach. But here on the Y'all Show, we are talking about the middies. In hour number one, we broke it down, how the midshipman schedule is set up for 2021. I told you a little bit about the history of the academy and its great football tradition here in this segment of the y'all show with john rawl we are saluting the united states naval academy i'll tell you a little bit more about the academy and of course we'll discuss some of the traditions of usna in annapolis maryland and of course it is the only service academy that the united states government has located within the american south and we are very proud of all of the great sailors that have called 
the United States Naval Academy home. Of course, it is also a because it's the Navy, the Marine Corps tied into the United States Navy. And so all of the folks who've gone on and served in our military, whether it's the Navy or the Marine Corps or any of the branches of service who are Naval Academy alumni, we salute all y'all here on today's Y'all Show. The Naval Academy was established in 1845. It is the second oldest of the five United States Service Academy. And, of course, it definitely stands out from any other run-of-the-mill college in the country as it educates officers for commissioning primarily into the Navy and to the United States Marine Corps. The United States Naval Academy currently has around 4,500 midshipmen, and they're studying there on the banks of the Chesapeake Bay in Annapolis, Maryland. And what a fantastic place and and history this academy has. They have their their honor concept. Essentially, a midshipman follows the honor code, similar to the United States Military Academy in West Point and VMI and the Citadel Fellow Service Academies. Those other two would be state service academies. But the honor code is pretty simple. You don't lie. You don't cheat. You don't steal, and you don't tolerate anybody doing any of that. And if you're guilty of any of that, you're out of there. And the Naval Academy adheres to these principles. This week, we actually, as we talk about some of the famous alumni of the United States Naval Academy, we've got to say happy anniversary as a USNA alum, Jimmy Carter, a president of the United States, a former governor of Georgia, he and Rosalind just celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary. What a tremendous honor for this distinguished Naval Academy graduate. Other Navy alums included the Admiral David Robinson, who did such a great job in the NBA for the Spurs. He did a great job as a Navy basketball player. I don't think without a doubt the best basketball player to ever come out of the United States Naval Academy is the Admiral. How about the best football player from Navy? Roger Staubach, winner of the Heisman Trophy. Navy has produced, of course, tons of admirals. Chester Nimitz back in World War II, Ernest King, Bull Halsey, a Naval Academy alumnus. They've had plenty of political figures come out of Navy, including the late John McCain. So many incredible names that have gone on to be tremendous leaders of this country. Ross Perot, astronauts like Alan Shepard. How about Vice Admiral James B. Stockdale, who was a vice presidential candidate under Ross Perot in 1992, but Stockdale, a Congressional Medal of Honor winner, a guy who for one year was president of the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. Also, another astronaut, Charles Bolden, who is a native of South Carolina and has been and maybe still is the head of NASA as he's the NASA administrator, 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 whatever it's called. Navy has produced two Nobel Prize winners, 73 Medal of Honor recipients, 54 astronauts, 53 Rhodes Scholars, 28 Marshall Scholars, one president. Jimmy Carter is the only president who is a 
alumnus of the United States Naval Academy. How about that? But lots of very proud people who've come out of the United States Naval Academy, and maybe you're one of them. And I say to you, beat Army. What about some of the traditions? If you go to a game at Navy Marine Corps Stadium, you have Bill the Goat, and that's the little goat down on the field, and that has been a tradition there of having the animal on the sideline, Bill the Goat, certainly a part of Navy's rich tradition. Another tradition within the the core there is the plebe recognition ceremony at Herndon Climb. That is a Naval Academy tradition. There's so much so that I, I, I don't really think I'm going to do a good enough justice of telling you all about <laughs> Navy. But the figurehead that is known as Tecumseh has for many years played a prominent part in yard traditions. So Tecumseh is part of Navy lore, if you want to go learn more about that. But the, the bottom line is, there's so much that goes on at a military school. I know. I graduated from one. And Navy has one of the best in all of, of colleges, period. And the great pride that comes not with just being a Naval Academy alumnus, but frankly, serving in the United States Navy or the Marine Corps is, frankly, if you're if you're one of those lucky guys or gals who've done that, I think it's pretty safe to say you're pretty proud of that time you spent wearing the uniform of the U.S. Navy or U.S. Marine Corps. And you know that you have a sort of college home, and that's in Annapolis, Maryland, where the United States Naval Academy is. And here on today's Y'all Show, we thank you for your service, all of you Navy Academy alumni, and also what's going on with your football team in 2021 and today we're proud to give you a Naval Academy salute as the middies get ready for the 2021 season. And we're just uh, tickled that the United States Naval Academy is right here in the South in Annapolis, Maryland, one of our state capitals of the South. And we wish the middies all the best and uh, beat Army and beat Marshall first game of the season, too. Don't want to leave that out. This is a program in recent years that has won the American Athletic Conference. So there are no slouches. They know how to win. Ken Niamatololo and Navy Academy alums know how to win, too, and win at life, it looks like, based on what we just told you with the famous alumni of the United States Naval Academy. When the Y'all Show comes back, we're going to talk about golf. Jason Nall is reporting on the Open Championship. That's underway in England. He'll be on right after the break. This is Y'all Beat Army! It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work, (laughs) I get it, you're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, 
one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure, if you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Okay, enough with the drama. <laughs> Welcome back to the Y'all Show here in our final hour of this Friday edition. And we haven't totally lost our minds. You know, we went to a war one time to have to stop from singing that song right there. But we still have a little bit of a respect for those folks in the United Kingdom. And this week, the U.K., is the host of the Open Championship. That is golf's latest major. It's the final major of the 2-0-2-1 season in golf. And we're going to go now to Jason Nall. Jason is with College Tour X. He is also a y'all.com PGA Tour correspondent. He does a fantastic job of letting us all know what's going on in the world of professional golf. And Jason's here to talk about what happened on Thursday with round one, since golfers and this thing happened so darn early in the morning and it lasts throughout the day, we're going to intentionally not really talk about what we expect to happen here on this round two, but we will see from Jason who he thinks has totally uh, ruined their chance in getting on a plane sometime soon, heading back to the good old U.S. of A. But without further ado, welcome in our golf guy, Jason Nall, to the Y'all Show. Hello, sir. Hey, General. Happy uh, British Open week to you. Yes, uh, the Open Championship, the battle for the Claret Jug taking place right now, and always wonderful to catch up with you. Actually, it's been a little while. We didn't have a chance to visit with you with the U.S. Open. We did talk to you during the PGA Championship time. So now our final major of the year, and it's not even August, and they're gathered at Royal St. George's Golf Club there in Sandwich, England, what did you think about how things shook out on Thursday? Well, uh, low scores, especially from the morning groups. Uh, the morning groups had an advantage, uh, and you'll probably see that flipping today where the, uh, the groups went out early yesterday and posted some lower scores, and the uh, groups that went out in the afternoon yesterday uh, had a bit more of the wind to deal with, and uh, so now that flips for the second round. If you went out early on Thursday, you were late on Friday, and vice versa. So um, you may see a little bit of a flip from these early round uh, scores that, that, that were posted on Thursday. Uh, I, I think they were lower maybe than, than the one expected, but then it did get tough in the afternoon. Yes, and on the round one action on Thursday, you had Louis Oosthuizen. He jumped out. As he was the low-round golfer, he shot a 64 
on Thursday, and that was one stroke better than a couple of players who shot 65. Jordan Spieth and Brian Harmon were the two Americans just behind Oosthuizen after that first round. Tell me about Jordan Spieth and Brian Harmon, two Americans. We know a lot about Spieth, not so much about Brian Harmon. Yeah, so, um, you know, Brian Harmon had a great round, just came out with his hair on fire, four birdies in his first five holes. Uh, and then, uh, just for good measure, threw in another birdie on hole number eight, 31 on the front nine, four under par, which uh, is actually the same score that Jordan Spieth had on the front nine. So they both really took advantage of uh, the front nine in their, in their effort and uh, and held it together. Both shot under par on the back nine. Two great scores from Harmon and Spieth. Uh, now let's see, can they deal with the afternoon? Again, they're a flip. They were morning times uh, in the first round, and they'll be afternoons now. Brian Harmon, the UGA alum, he's been on the tour about 12 years now. He lives at Sea Island, where a lot of the current PGA Tour guys, including the great uh, guy that everybody likes to to pick on there, the Georgia Tech Grace and, and, and the Georgia Tech Greats and more, all calling Sea Island, Georgia, and more home. I'm thinking of Kuchar is who I'm trying to think of there. But we know now. Kuchar didn't have as good a day as as his his neighbor, Brian (laughs) How did Kuchar do? Do you know? I believe he finished the day at four over. Uh, He's definitely over par. He was four over late in his round the last time I checked him. Yeah, you're right. Four over is how he finished as he shot uh, 74. This, again, is a par 70 course there and Sandwich, England. Yeah, par 70, only two par fives, which uh, maybe takes some of the long knock- knockers' uh, ability to rack up the birdies on the par fives out, out of play, which in my mind makes it a lot more of an open tournament, no pun intended, to the <laughs> entire field. I liked how you did that. Remember, the 2020 Open Championship was not held due to coronavirus. Your defending champion is Irishman Shane Lowry. And now yeah. the guys getting together for this fourth and final major of 2021. Webb Simpson, the Wake Forest alum, he also had a pretty good first round. He shot four under. Tell me about his round. Well, so Webb did it in the afternoon, and that's important. He shot one of the lower scores in the afternoon on day one. He goes out earlier on day two and uh, should be able really to, to add to that great start uh, with the better morning conditions. And I talk a lot about that because the British Open or the Open Championship, as is polit- politically correct to be called, uh, is uh, is probably more dictated by weather than any uh, other major championship, uh, mainly because of the winds. And the winds pick up on the islands in the afternoon. So Webb, four under, great start, and should be able to uh, stay hot uh, if his game's in as good a place as it looks like it is with an earlier tee time today. All right, well, recapping again, some of the great Americans, Spieth and Harmon are one shot off the lead. Louis Oosthuizen of South Africa went in after round one with the one-shot lead over Spieth and Harmon. Oosthuizen six under the round. He shot 64 on Thursday. Yeah. Then Webb Simpson, an American, has a four-under as well. Then we go to another golfer with 400. It's also one of those guys with a connection to Georgia Tech. How about 
the 40-something-year-old golfer Stuart Sink. He's already won this year on the PGA Tour. He won at Hilton Head there with the Heritage. Stuart Sink, his golf game, very, very good. I think he's a past Open champion. He shot 66. Yeah, he is a past Open champion, much to everyone's chagrin. In 2009, he beat the 59-year-old Tom Watson in a playoff in the Open Championship when everybody except for Sink's mother was pulling for (laughs) Tom Watson. So he's really, although that's a major championship and I know he wouldn't trade it, Sink's greatly villainized because of that win. There's just no doubt about it. Uh, Everybody wanted Watson to win that week. Uh, And uh, Watson... It was a magical week for him, and I'll never forget it. I'm going to talk a lot about 2009 here, but Watson had a one-shot lead and hit the perfect shot into 18, just just hit an eight-iron right on the screws as flush as it could be. It hit maybe three steps further than it should have on the green and went off the back, and Watson couldn't get up and down to stay at the par and went to the playoff, and the rest is history. Stuart Sink, a major champion. Uh back in 2009 so yeah i mean he's he's in it he's got an afternoon tea time today we'll see if he can stay in it through the winds uh in the afternoon but the big story the big story out of round one is the mad scientist uh-huh. bryson DeChambeau. yeah i remember that guy yeah so he shoots one over par hits only four fairways so it was a really a good effort one over par uh only hitting four fairways and playing out of the thick stuff all day long but he just blasts his equipment maker after the round in the press conference says uh, his driver sucks and Cobra can't get it right. Uh, Cobra comes back out and makes the statement that uh, Bryson needs to not act like an eight-year-old and be able to control his temper no, and realize that everybody on the team is working very hard to meet his specifications and help him win. So that's a side story for a guy that's always in the news and maybe getting on a plane on Friday and coming back home with a rift with his equipment sponsor. But uh, he seems to um, always steal the headlines, whether he's one over or five under. Bryson DeChambeau is going to be the talk of the day these days. Yeah, one over after his first round. And I think the Jets fueled up and ready to take him back to Texas (laughs) if he doesn't get his act together here on this uh, second round going on. I, I would imagine so. He parted ways with this caddy two weeks ago. No real information on what happened there. And he's got a uh, a rookie on the bag who's never caddied before this week, breaking him in at a major championship, uh, the Open Championship, a different style of golf, as we all know, than American golf. So he's got a lot of things going on in, the, in that scientist's brain of his right now. I do not expect him to make a charge in the afternoon today to uh, to make the cut, uh, or at least to be in contention. I think he would need to shoot around even far to make the cut. I think DeChambeau needs a big hug from his playing partner because that guy needs a big <laughs> hug too, Aaron Rodgers. Those two have a lot Those of stuff two. going on right now. We're talking they got a lot to, of stuff going on. Yeah, they sure do. We're talking to Jason Nall of College Tour X. We're going to tell you what that is in a second in case you, for some reason, don't know what College Tour X, and you should. We're discussing the Open Championship underway, round two going on today at Royal St. George's Golf Club in Sandwich, England. This is a monster championship. You know, Jason, when I was a little boy growing up, thinking about winning golf tournaments, I had two championships I had in mind. One was the Open Championship, and the other was the Masters. I'm sure I was the only kid that had dreams of winning these two. 
I'm sure you are. Yeah. I mean, the two biggest golf tournaments in the world. In fact, <laughs> arguably, the Open Championship is the Open Championship for the world, while the U.S. Open is the United States National Championship. So uh, a huge golf tournament. Everyone all around the globe who plays the game of golf dreams of playing an Open Championship. But do you know why I love the Open Championship so much? Why does Jason Nall love the British Open? Because you can watch it from bed. It comes on at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you set that alarm for 6. You turn on the coverage. You roll back over. You steal about another hour and a half of sleep. You're hearing it in the background while you're sleeping. That's just the best hour and a half of sleep of your life. Then you just kind of stretch and pop your knees and your ankles and watch until about 9, 9.30 from the bed. Then you get up and fire up some toast and some bacon and watch the rest of it. Uh, in the living room, it's all wrapped up and done for the day by one o'clock, and then you go out and play your own game of golf in the afternoon. I love it. I wish all golf tournaments were like well, that. Well, we just need to move them over there to where golf was born, and the Open That's Championship right. going on this week. Jason, if we look at this golf course, Royal St. George's Golf Club, does it kind of look the same as the other past places where they had this Open Championship? There's something really amazingly different about this one. You know, it is different. Um, it's, it's maybe more American than any other open uh, championship venue in the rotation. It's a little greener, a little more lush, which we're used to seeing over here, whereas you see a lot of uh, thin and brown fairways over there typically that really run out. Uh, these fairways are a little softer, a little more receiving of a driver, and a little easier to hold a fairway, but if you don't hold the fairway, uh, you're going to pay a dear price because the hay there, as they call it, the hay is really thick. What is that? It's it's their rough, the gorse, the high stuff, the okay. stuff you want to not play out of, but all rough over there. We call it rough over here. They call it hay <laughs> over there. Now, you went over uh, there to somewhere uh, in the United yes. Kingdom in recent months and played. Where where did you go? Yeah, I went to Scotland, um, and uh, we played uh, uh, St. Andrews. We played um, – Several of St. Andrews courses. We played Royal Berkham. We played uh, several courses. Just a great uh, Scottish trip playing the iconic courses over there in in Scotland. Uh, we played probably twelve different courses over over two weeks, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and it, looked, it only rained for a half hour one day while we were over there, and I was there in July. And, you know, usually you see it on these British Open, these tough conditions and all the water and the wind. It was windy, and my lips were uh, almost chapped, uh, chapped to be bloody when I got home. My lips were worn out <laughs> from that wind, but it didn't rain. We got all our golf in, so it was fun. Well, this week they're not in Scotland. They're in England as the Open Championship continues on here as we wrap up with Jason Nall. Make sure you tune in. It should be some fantastic golf played as this is the final major for the year. Then you have the race for the FedEx Cup taking place in August and September. All right, Jason, these guys I don't think are eligible for your College Tour X Tour. Tell me about Play Tour X and College Tour X. All right, so College Tour X is an amateur uh, Wagger World Amateur Golf Ranking Counted Events Tournament. Uh, and we have tournaments throughout the Southeast. Uh, we had a couple in Pinehurst earlier this summer. We've been down to Orlando. We're uh, having a great tournament in Virginia to benefit St. Benefit Jude Children's Research Hospital uh, this weekend, Sunday and Monday. 
And we wrap up our um, season in early August. We do a wraparound season, November to August, in early August at Cleveland Country Club for our Players Championship over in Tennessee. But we uh, we host collegiate players who are looking to play outside of their team events to stay sharp and improve their world amateur golf ranking, both men and women. So uh, we're certainly hopeful that we're, we're a new tour that will continue to grow and that some of our players you'll be watching in the Open Championship in a, a few years from now. Uh, but it's definitely uh, great amateur players who are on, on collegiate uh, golf teams now. All right, Jason Nall. You can go to his website for College Tour X. It's playtourx.org with their events. That event at the Cleveland Country Club in Bradley County, Tennessee, set for August 9th and 10th. So go there for all the information. Again, it's playtourx.org. Jason Nall is the Happy Gilmore. What was the name of the guy that ran that tour for Happy Gilmore, the fantasy league that he was in? Lord, you're talking about from the movie Happy yeah, Gilmore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember there was the guy that was the head of their sort of PGA tour, but it wasn't the PGA I, just, I, just, I remember Apollo Creed that lost his hand <laughs> in an alligator. Yeah. Well, the actual the movie director was the guy that played the role of the uh, tour director. director. Yeah, it was actually the, the director of the film is the same yeah. guy, which is kind I remember of the guy didn't want the likes of Happy Gilmore on the tour. It was not good for the image, in his opinion. I remember the premise of the movie. I didn't remember yeah. the guy. Well, yeah, I, I remember that premise, but they kept him on the tour because he was good for ratings, and that's why we good have for ratings. Jason Nall. He's good for our ratings here on the Y'all Show. Thank you very much. Best of luck with all your events coming up on College Tour X, and again, thank you for your insight on the Open Championship all right, let me give you my pick real quick oh, before yeah, I jump we, off we, of here. No, no, we I need I gave that. it out on my radio show, Null or Nothing, yesterday. I love Ricky Fowler. Ooh. Ricky Fowler, hungry after not being eligible to participate in the U.S. Open, his first major in 15 years not to play in, engaged. So I think he's matured. That, that mustache of his is looking just right. I think he's going to get it done and get back in the spotlight. I like him. He had a decent round, one under par in the afternoon. Let's hope he gets it going this morning for me. Ricky Fowler, that's my pick for the Open Championship. Can we tap the veins on that pick? <laughs> yeah, you can tap the veins. And by the way, he was 80-1 to 1 to win, and I have a little bit of pizza money on him through uh, – fan duel uh, on on Ricky Fowler to win. All right. There you have it. Their insight coming from our own Jason Nall. Thank you so much for the insight, sir. All right. Have a great week. Enjoy the Open Championship. All right. We will definitely do that. Again, that's taking place throughout the next few days if you want to tune in and check out the fun from Sandwich England, the Open Championship of 2021. We will take a break, come back with more of the Yarl Show. Talk with a southern accent.
All right, got this final segment before we're out of here for the weekend. This is the Y'all Show. And a quick reminder of some of our great events and festivals taking place this weekend. You might want to head over to Marion, Virginia. This weekend, it's the Hungry Mother Festival. It's actually the 48th Hungry Mother Festival. This takes place at Hungry Mother State Park. That is a park donated back in 1933, a thousand acres of land given to the state of Virginia right there in Smith County, Virginia for this park. There is a creek, if you will, running along that portion of southwest Virginia called the Hungry Mother Creek. It's not called Creek. I'm not in Missouri. It's in Virginia, for goodness sakes. But there you have this, this body of water, the Hungry Mother Creek. The unusual name comes from the legend of a nearby Indian settler conflict that resulted in Molly Markley and her child being captured. They later escaped, but Markley died when a search party found the toddler who could only utter the words, Hungry Mother. That's how this creek in southwest Virginia got its name. How about that? Taking you back to uh, settling days with the name of this unusual creek and state park in Virginia, the Hungry Mother State Park in Virginia. That is one of the events going on this weekend if you want to make your way across the southeast. Also going on in Houston, Texas this weekend at the George Brown Convention Center, it's the Comic Palooza taking place in Beaufort, South Carolina. Beautiful place right there along the Atlantic coast. This weekend in Beaufort, it's the Beaufort Water Festival at Henry C. Chambers Waterfront Park in Odessa, Missouri. This weekend, it's the Legacy Roots Fest, and they've got Wilder Blue, Zach Aaron, and Skylar Pringer among the performers in Odessa, Missouri at the Legacy Roots Fest taking place this weekend. In Choctaw, Mississippi, they have just kind of Got into big time with fairs. It's the Choctaw Indian Fair. They just named a princess on Thursday. Now the Choctaw Indian Fair morphs into the Neshoba County Fair this weekend, all right there in Philadelphia, Mississippi, and in Choctaw, Mississippi, where the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians are wrapping up the Choctaw Indian Fair in that portion of East Central Mississippi. In Augusta, Kentucky this weekend, it's the Augusta Riverfest Regatta, and that's taking place on Saturday all day. How about in Columbus, Georgia this weekend, it's the Parking Lot Praise Christian Music Festival 2021, and that's at Peachtree Mall in Columbus, Georgia. And lastly, in the state capital of the heart of Dixie, Montgomery has this weekend Sip, Paint, and Vibe at Riverfront Park. You can go sip, you can go paint, and you can get all your vibe in <laughs> right there at 355 Commerce Street in Montgomery, Alabama. All those events here this weekend. John Rawl signing off. Thank you all for being a part of the fun. We will be right back here on Monday with a full week of Talk About the South. Thank you for listening to the Y'all Show.
Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council.